Hello, Monetization Nation. In the United States, adults use digital media for an average of seven hours and 50 minutes every day. Source eMarketer. This includes an average of 145 minutes on social media every day. Source Statista. Plus additional time spent on the web, digital video, and digital audio. My guest today is Neil Schaefer, the author of The Age of Influence. In today's episode, Neil shares how we can become digital influencers and build our online presence. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan Gwilliam, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Today, I'm joined by Neil Schaefer, Neil is the author of four sales and marketing books, including Maximize Your Social and the recently published The Age of Influence, a groundbreaking book redefining digital influence. He's also the host of Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Neil is an authority on helping innovative businesses digitally transform their sales and marketing. He is the founder of the digital marketing consultancy PDCA Social and is a fractional CMO for several companies. He also teaches executives digital marketing at Rutgers Business School and the Irish Management Institute. Thank you so much for joining us today, Neil. Hey, Nathan. Thanks for, so much for having me. I'm really excited to uh, help everybody. And, and you know, monetization is uh, it, it's a challenge for all of us, including myself. So I'm excited to share what I've learned from, from my experience. Sounds great. Can you start off by sharing with us something that you are super passionate about? I'm really passionate about my kids' soccer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me why. Expand on that a little bit more. And I, I love soccer and I've coached my kids in soccer too. And I played soccer oh, growing awesome. up. Why are you know. passionate about? You know, it's funny. Soccer? I played AYSO growing up when uh, that's all we had before like club soccer. So, yeah. and I, I really sucked at it. I mean, I was terrible. Um, so I guess, you know, uh, my kids becoming something that's better than what I was able to do. Right. You always want that for, for your children. Um, But it's also the fact that it's a way for me to bond with them. It's the drives to practice, the drives to games, the cheering for them in games, the, you know, uh, after the game, the fist pump, you played so awesome. Uh, It's, it's really, it's funny because, you know, my daughter now is a sophomore in high school and she's on the, she made the varsity team this year. So, you know, her games are weekdays, like three to 5 PM, five to 7 PM. And I tell my wife, it's like, I, I will carve out time. I mean, that's why I do what I do. It's why I'm an entrepreneur. I will carve out that time and I'll tell my, you know, my, my clients, I can no longer make that time just so I can see my kids games, whether it's on a weekday or you know, I, I live in Irvine and Orange County and, and on Saturday, my son's game was in San Diego and then Sunday it was in La Cañada. They're like the opposite, you know, ends of the spectrum yeah. of Southern California. Uh, so that's four hours round trip in the car. But I, I loved I loved every second. And my son's game yesterday where they won one nothing. That to me was ex- exciting to see in the World Cup. I love that. OK, so um, in a book that I'm writing a book that's close to being finished and it's called Monetization. And in this book the very, we talk about eight tectonic shifts that are transforming the business landscape. And that by leveraging those eight tectonic shifts is one of the best ways to improve our monetization. And the first, the very first tectonic shift that we talk about in that book is called connecting through passion or passion marketing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And I want to talk about this because I think it's very relevant to 
to what you just shared about your, your child and, and the soccer. It, it's not about finding what we're passionate about and building our businesses around what we're passionate about. It's about finding what our customers are passionate about. In your situation, your child loves soccer, right? And you as a parent are able to go out there and support your child and be there for your child through it in a situation that they're really passionate about. And as a result, because you are supporting and facilitating a high level passion for your child, that passion is flowing through to your relationship with your child. And, um, and the passion for you as a parent is increasing because of it. Any truth to that? Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, getting to the business side, that passion drives me to spend money. Yes. To, to feed the passion that my children have, which yep. it's man, Nike and Adidas, they're making a lot of money off me, but, um, but it's not just that it's, you know, it, it, there are other things related to that, but when you're really passionate about something, you will invest the money in it. Right. I'm really yeah. passionate about music as well. And I've been going through my CD collection, realizing that, man, there's, you know, I, I, I want to listen to CD, man, the disc is missing. I got to get a new one. Right. So I've been going on the Discogs and eBay and Amazon, and I've spent a lot of money on CDs <laughs> over the last few months because that's where my passion is. And, um, you know, when you started talking there, it reminded me of something I hear a lot in the, the podcasting space. I'm in the digital marketing industry. So I, I tend to listen to a lot of digital marketing podcasts that, yes. you know, your, your vibe attracts your tribe. And if you want to tap into people with a certain passion, you need to show it yourself. And that's what social media is great for, right? And I think if you do that and share your passion, you attract these people with that similar passion who won't mind spending money with you. And I that's think that's right. where, that's probably what you're writing your book on, I'm assuming, or what that chapter's on. Yeah. But what you say makes total sense. Because and you're it, sharing who you are and what you're passionate about, you can find your people. You can find your tribe because they can connect with you through those passions. Absolutely. And it feels good to spend money with those people. Yeah. When and right. <laughs> going back, your passion is really for your child, right? Your passion is that love you feel for your child and supporting them in their soccer is is how you are manifesting that that passion yes i mean it, it, it even goes above and beyond that too you know now that the dads get together and we created an adult soccer team and oh, we practice cool. every i haven't been able to practice for 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 a while for various reasons but now it becomes part of my physical activity and bonding and you know yes. we go out well, before coronavirus, we'd go out drinking and what have you. So, uh, so yeah, it, it evolves into further. It's like a spider web of, of nice. passions that flow into many things. Okay. So today I want to talk to you a lot about influencer marketing. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to become one of the leading experts on influencer marketing? Well, it's a funny story. <laughs> um, I started out as a, I was known as like a LinkedIn expert. This is back in 2008. How are you known as an expert? You get out there and you start talking about it. And it's normally yeah. done through either a blog, a podcast, or YouTube. So I started with a blog all about LinkedIn back in 2008. And I wrote a book about that in 2009. And then I wrote a second book in 2011. And at that time, I was already working with a number of companies as a social media marketing consultant. So when I wrote my next book in 2013, it was called Maximize Your Social. It was all about 
helping companies create social media marketing strategies because that's what I did for a living, right? So this last book, The Age of Influence, which I published in, in March of 2020, and thank you for uh, being a, a purchaser of that book. Um, this came about because I am involved with a lot of companies, you know, consulting, I do speaking, I, I teach executives at universities. And so I'm always trying to get tuned into what are the issues, the challenges that people have. So back in 2014, 15, there was a lot of challenges around the marketing technology. So I actually created an event called the Social Tool Summit, and we did it four times, twice in Boston, twice in the Bay Area. Um, and that was a, a great event. You know, we, we got together a lot of great technology companies, a lot of great marketing leaders, built a great community. And, and you know, I was glad to have contributed. So fast forward to 2017, 2018, I noticed I was getting a lot of questions as influencer marketing grew, I was getting lots of questions. So I used to get questions about social media marketing ROI, social media marketing tools. Now I was get asked questions, not just about, you know, how do I, how do I leverage influencers, but how do I become an influencer myself, right? Yes. As, as a marketer and entrepreneur. So I started to do a little bit of research. And I did. I basically did a test market Kickstarter on a platform called Publishizer, where I ended up uh, publishing. Well, going through the motion and 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 uh, getting enough money to publish the book, getting enough people that said they wanted to buy a copy. But that test market proved that there was a market that people wanted this information. And well, now I got to write the book, right? So I wasn't even known when I started. I reached out to so many people asking for case studies, and they're like, "Who are you? I've never heard of you." Um, because I wasn't known in that space. So, you know, when you want to disrupt something, that's what happens. The people that are part of that space think, well, you're not one of us. What do you, you know, who are you? What do you, what do you have to say? How are you going to contribute? And that really fueled my passion to say, you know what, I want to give a unique and fresh perspective on this based on everything else that I've done up until now, only I can do that. So that's what led me to write the book. Um, and then as I was writing the book, I was appearing on more podcasts because I had announced the book. I was writing more blog posts and I got known over time as having this unique expertise on the topic. Um, and then obviously when I published the book um, last year, it's, it, it's gone even further. So, uh, you know, everybody who wants to create influence online, when we talk about influencer marketing, it really comes down to, I mean, how, how are influencers influential? They, they have a platform and they're creating content, right? So you got to create a platform. You got to create content. Uh, and if you can't do that, you want to tap into other people who can, because the algorithms are just not in the favor of, of businesses when it comes to, you know, uh, getting impressions for your posts, and what have you. So uh, I look at now what I wrote almost like a manifesto for businesses in how to move forward with their organic social media marketing of trying to get to a goal of, you know, hundred percent collaborative content or user generated content, because your own content, you know, that's great for your blog. It's great for podcasts, great for YouTube. But social media just is not going to not going to treat you well unless you're really, really, really good at it. And most businesses really aren't. Yeah. Yes. And and you are really, really good at influencer marketing. This is a, this is an exceptional book, by the way, on one of my recent episodes with a different guest. He referenced this book and how this was the best book uh, oh, wow. out there. Got me really interested in in this one specifically. I'm honored. There's been a few more. I, I mean, definitely when I wrote it. I thought there was this huge gap in the market because, you know, when I look at the things you could do with digital marketing, right? So you have a website or, or an app or both. And then because you have a website, you want to get traffic from search engines. I'll let you know that my site, neilshafer.com, I calculated this last night for a blog post. Over the last year, 82% of my traffic comes from search engines. Now you're talking to someone who has 200,000 followers on Twitter, like 40,000 followers on LinkedIn, 
40,000 on Pinterest, a Facebook page of 40,000, um, it pales in comparison with what Google can provide you. Yes. And that's how I'm a huge fan of SEO, right? And that's organic. You got pay-per-click. And then obviously you have email marketing, still as important as, as ever, right? Um, and highest ROI. So, you know, the, to me, that's sort of the basis. And then obviously you have your, your blogging, you know, slash content marketing, you got your social media marketing. And I think the sixth step in really, you know, in a digital marketing channel is influencer marketing through influencers, customers, employees. I put those all together. You're basically leveraging other people's social media accounts. So yeah. to me, it's like, this is a major part of marketing of digital marketing. No one is talking about, no one is treating it in that way. And there were books about how to become an influencer, but there were none from the business perspective. So since then, there've been a few that have, that have come to market, but um, I was really excited. I thought there was just this huge gap and I went forward and hopefully I got a little bit of a first to market advantage there. Yeah, definitely. So what is the greatest home run that you've hit in your career? The greatest home run is actually before social media when I was in B2B sales and I was hired to become a regional VP of Asia sales for a small startup. And um, at the time, you know, we're, it was like a few million dollar startup. And I ended up in my first year with that company of generating 25% of our business out of Asia starting from scratch. So to me, that was, I mean, that was a huge home run. Uh, and, you know, we, we ended up really being successful in, especially in Japan, but in the Asian market, when most foreign companies don't succeed there. So that's an achievement that I'm still very proud of today. And I often tap into, you know, my experience then to drive my clients as well as my own businesses forward as well. What's the biggest mistake or failure you've made in your business career and what'd you learn from it? Um, I think that once again, one of the biggest failures was that same company. Um, because we lost a big account. Now we never had the big account, but when I joined the company, this was going to be the deal that was going to, you know, get us to the next level. And um, we, we ended up losing it. Right. And I think going back at it, um, you can never assume anything in business. And I think a lot of people internally assume because we were working through a partner. Now, I have only done direct sales. And to this day, although I see the benefit of working through distributors, you got to understand what's going on at the client with your own ears, right? And what I'm really excited with, with the internet and recently with the whole coronavirus pandemic is even, you know, I have a client, they primarily sell through like Walmarts and CVSs and they have an Amazon store, but they have a direct store, right? That I help them launch that's been doing really well for them. And it gives them direct access to the consumer. So they know they can keep their finger on the pulse, right? So we did not have our finger on the pulse. And, you know, we, we did not know what was going on in the decision-making process and technical evaluations, but our partner was saying, oh, you're a shoe in And then we, get, we didn't get the deal. But, you know, I, I was called in for the meeting to let us know. And I said, I totally understand. We're, you know, we're going to be developing better and better technology. And, and I hope the day will come when we have a chance to work together. So um, that in, that really made a positive impression upon the general manager of this business unit at this huge Japanese enterprise. So that when my CEO came out, I said, Hey, I know that, you know, normally salespeople are not going to bring their CEO out to businesses where they lost the business, but we want to keep in touch. We want to keep you updated. And, and it was at that meeting 
that the general manager was so impressed with my positive attitude that he said, you know what, there might be a chance to work together. And through that, I ended up closing my first seven figure deal. And it was, I think it was probably the biggest deal in our company's history, all from the mistake. So with every mistake is an opportunity to improve. And I think if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to make mistakes. You just don't want to make the same mistake twice. So I've been really passionate since then of direct, direct to consumer, direct to customer, got to figure out what they're, even if you work through distributors, resellers, what have you, you got to keep your finger on the pulse directly because everybody else in between is just out. They have their own business objectives, right? Uh, And I'm not saying they're all liars. There's some great companies out there doing great work, but you need to check in and really keep your finger on the pulse of that end customer. I think if you want to, if you ultimately want to be successful. I love that quote you said, with every challenge or with every mistake, it's an opportunity to improve. What a what a great concept for, for monetization nation and for the entrepreneurs out there. As so many people, they, they hit that roadblock or that brick wall and they get depressed and they get down and they give up and they get frustrated, right? And it's, it's so much of a mindset and an attitude shift, right? If we look at that challenge and that, that problem and that mistake as an opportunity to pivot and learn and grow and improve, and we're, we're constantly doing that, um, it'll bring so much more success to us. Well, you know, I'm really fortunate to have a B2B sales background. We were taught with everybody that hangs up on you when you call them, because this is before the days of, well, we, we had email, it wasn't as popular as it is today. With every person that hangs up on you, you're one step closer to getting to someone that will listen to you and ultimately buy from you. So that you, you deal with rejection and every successful entrepreneur has dealt with rejection. Um, there's no place to go other than up, right? That, that rejection is a confirmation that you need to do something differently. Or, I mean, in sales, it's a numbers game, right? And in marketing as well. But um, yeah, you know, I, I'm creating my first digital product right now, speaking of monetization, which is why I'm excited to be here. And it might fail, right? I want to get a certain number of people to join this program at a minimum. It might fail, but you know what? I'll start with what I have and I'll build on top of that. And I will be deeply tuned into these beginning people um, and, and build something that if it can resonate with them, I can get that word of mouth speaking for me. I can get testimonials. Yes. I can get reviews. So you don't need to start big. Nobody hit a home run, you know, at the first stop bat. Well, there've been a few, but, um, <laughs> but, but, but you, you know what I mean? You, it, it, it's about the vision and it's about the final goal. And even, I mean, you know, I think of companies like Tesla, I mean, they've had their ups and downs. Amazon, every, I think that every company that we see is successful now have had periods where they were in danger without a doubt. And they've come back, right? Um, through a, a belief and a vision and fixing, you know, we're working on top of those mistakes and, and using that, you know, having lived in Japan for 15 years, Kaizen is a big part of my own thinking. And I've been embedded in, in doing business in that way as well. Um, because, you know, you, we're here to serve. And if you're serving your audience, you're serving your community, you have great products, great services, don't let a small thing get in your way of fulfilling that mission. That's the important thing here. Definitely. Uh, what is your best monetization strategy? I think I hit upon it is, is start small, right? Start, start small with a group and go from there, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, uh, try to find trends in, you know, customer inquiries, um, you know, launch something very, very niche targeted, to a certain group and take it from there. And if, you know, I, I, I've seen it so many times in business. Um, I have one client, they are, they're basically a 
competitor to LegalZoom, but they only operate in one state. So let's get, let's, you know, use all the digital marketing we can do in this. If we can do it in this state, we can find accredited lawyers in other states to be the, the official lawyer, but now we can franchise this to 50 states, right? And become yep. successful. So it's that thought of creating a micro unit, but that you can scale that micro unit and you have that potential to, to bring that same process to a similar product in other geographies or different products of the same geography. Yes. Nail it, then scale it. Love it. <laughs> exactly. What do you feel is the biggest business tectonic shift affecting us today? Um, well, you know, um, it, it's been, I think the shift has been going on for a decade, if not two decades, but I think businesses are finally waking up that we as consumers are digital first. And yeah. it's actually a, a concept behind a book that my, my next book is, is going to be this digital marketing playbook. But, you know, in, in this coronavirus world and in this post pandemic world, you know, we need to be digitally engaging. We need to, that needs to be the focus of our strategy. And there's so many businesses because the leadership, they're not big users of this technology. They may not, you know, understand it, but people are still searching like heck on Google. People are still reading emails and people are spending a ton of time on social media. You have to nail those three areas. And they're, they're equally important for different stages of the funnel. They all have their unique roles that they play. But that should be the focus, 100% focus of your marketing today. And that I believe is the tectonic shift that, you know, we, we've seen companies shift more and more their budgets to digital, but they never accepted the fact that the digital transformation in terms of the consumer and how they consume content, how they purchase things, you know, case in point, my daughter, as I mentioned before, she's 16 year old, uh, they had her first dance. Now that it's gotten a little bit better from a coronavirus perspective, they had social distancing, and literally she said her and all of her friends all got dresses from the same online store that I had never heard of. They're not going to Macy's, they're not going to Nordstrom, they're not going to, you know, wherever. Um, and that's, that's the reality. And you're, you're either in that space or you're just completely invisible, right? So that's the reality. That's, I, and I've seen just so many companies reach out to me. Even today, um, this guy named Russell Brunson, who's a famous marketing author, he's the founder of ClickFunnels. All of a sudden, he's like, I, I just started this newsletter. I got two emails in the same hour, right? It's like, well, where have you been all this time? Uh, so th th that's the thing that, th that I believe is a tectonic shift that um, companies need to get really good at really fast if they want to remain relevant today. Because what we see now, coronavirus will go away, but I think we all know that it, it's going to have some impact. But even without coronavirus, we were digital first. We've been digital first for some time. And now people have woken up to the fact that, wow, I need to digitally engage, right? Um, the beauty though is that you can go, this passion for me to go direct to consumer, direct to customer, it's really, really easy to do once you have a website, once you do your email, right? Once you're found on searches, you do social media, right? Yes. And you become the master of your own destiny at that point. You, you're not beholden upon someone else's platform and you can't be deplatformed or you control the relationships with those consumers and, and can nurture them and, and strengthen them. Yeah. Google, and, and going, can, yeah, Google can change their, and Google has changed their algorithm. Now they're showing more content in search results where people are not necessarily clicking through their website to get the information and they're going to accelerate this. Like every other social network, they want to keep you on their platform as long as possible. Why have people click off Google search if we can keep them on there longer? and get more ad revenue. So I'm, I'm excited that I get a lot of traffic from Google, 
but I'm also scared as heck, right? Like, and, and that's where the you could out. lose all of that overnight. And yeah. there are tons of businesses where that's happened, actually. Thank you so much, Neil, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, the consumer is spending more and more of their time living in a digital world. If we want our business to succeed, we should do the same. Number two, if we want to build digital influence, we need to create content. We should start creating consistent, frequent, and valuable content at least once a week. And if we can do it daily, that's seven times as good. Number three, if we connect to our customers' passions, they will be more willing to spend money on our products or services. Number four, we want to be in direct contact with our customers. It's the only way we will know enough about their problems to effectively solve them. Number five, if we can look at a mistake as an opportunity to pivot and grow, it will bring so much more success. If you want to learn more about Neil or connect with him, you can find him on LinkedIn or visit his website at neilshafer.com. You can also find his podcast online and his books on his website. And there's links to all of those sites on the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. Please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast and YouTube channel. Number three, you can follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. How have you built digital influence? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your journey to become a digital influencer. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.